Hallelujah. Let's love him all across this building. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord here on this Sunday afternoon. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad to see you at church today. Amen, amen, amen. It's so good to be in the presence of the Lord. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms. And as they're going, I want to make a quick mention, as Brother D has already mentioned, next weekend, instead of our Friday night service, we are having our Saturday evening leadership session with Brother Marks. And so whatever you have to do to get there, it'll be at 7.30 um, p.m. on Saturday Brother Marks called me, and I, you know, we had talked about not being able to do the Friday night because he's going to have to speak at the funeral as well. And he said, I woke up this morning, and I was praying, is there any possibility that we can do a leadership session on that Saturday? And he, he said, I just really, I, I, I saw myself just pouring in uh, to the people, and I really f felt to do that. And so I said, absolutely, bro, let's, let's do that. So if you've got a uh, take a, a lunch break at your job, your knock shift. If you've got to get off early, whatever you got to do, be there on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. And then you don't want to miss next Sunday. Amen. Brother Marks is going to be preaching to us. And if you've ever been in a service with Brother Marks, I want to tell you, miracles are going to happen. And I want to encourage you to bring as many people as you can to that. And everybody said amen. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 1, if you want to turn in your Bibles there. Amen. It's so good to have all of our guests and our visitors in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, good to have the saints of God. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 1. Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. What's he saying? It is impossible to live in a world without offenses. Amen. That makes me feel really encouraged. He said it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. So that's the warning to all of us. Offenses are going to come in life, but you got to be careful that you aren't the one that the offense is coming through. There's some Christianity 101 right there. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. That's how seriously Jesus takes offense to offense. Amen. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee. Everybody say, rebuke him. That's my favorite part of that verse. Never says, let him walk all over you and treat you like a doormat. Says, rebuke him. Let him know that they've crossed the line. Now, don't be mean to him. That's not what it says. And if he repent, forgive him. Everybody say, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day. I'm sure you met some folks like that. I know I have. And seven times in a day, again, he turns to thee and says, I repent. Well, I don't know if he means it. That's not the point of this. 
Thou shalt forgive them. Everybody say forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, I feel this in my bones right here. Lord, increase our faith. They do it seven times, and later in another context in the same story, Peter asked him, how many times? Lord, seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And their response is this. You mean I got to forgive them more times than I can count for the same thing. Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith as the grain of mustard seed, that's all the faith you need to do this. You might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. They heard of what Jesus commanded concerning forgiveness, and they said, Lord, would you please increase our faith? And he said, if you just have faith, the size of a mustard seed. That's all you need. If you ever seen one of those, I got some in my office just for an object lesson. It's super small. He said that you can say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. And I want to preach to us for a few moments what I felt in prayer from the Lord, the faith to forgive, the faith to forgive. Would you set down your Bibles and would you pray with me all across this building and ask that the Lord would help us? I believe that God is already going to, He's already given us the faith to forgive. And I'm praying today that we would operate in that faith. Amen. I, I believe that there's people, you walked in this building, that the very thing binding you up is going to be cast out. Amen. When God opens up the door and helps us to see, amen, the faith that He's given to us, the faith that we need to forgive. Somebody pray in this building, all across this house. Hallelujah. I believe there's going to be restoration. I believe there's going to be reconciliation in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands on the Lord one more time and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I couldn't shake this. Uh, I had a lot of other things I wanted to preach, but in prayer I just... I couldn't shake this off of my spirit. I want to talk to us about the faith to forgive. In our text, Jesus let us know that it will be and it is impossible to live an offense-free life. Amen. It is something we must all accept. You will be offended. Amen. That should make you feel better about yourself. I must be a terrible individual. No, it is going to come to every man, every woman, every child, every leader, amen, every individual is going to come to a place in their life where life itself, if nobody else does it, life itself is going to offend you. Amen. It is impossible to live a life free of offense. There are some people that are really good at, at proving Jesus' statement right. Amen. They're really good at finding every little offense. I want to tell you, that's not what Jesus is saying. He is not giving us permission to find every little thing in life as an excuse to be offended. But He is letting you know that you will go through life and life will offend you. 
Amen. He then deals with the necessity of forgiveness. If it is impossible to live a life free of offense, then it must be a necessity to live a life of forgiveness. If offenses are not dealt with, Jesus tells us it becomes like the sycamine tree. Now, when I was studying this and reading it, 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 it really, I, I've heard of the sycamore tree and how Zacchaeus climbed up it, but I never quite noticed that it was not talking about the sycamore tree, but it was talking about the sycamine tree. Amen. For just a little while, I want to look at some of the characteristics of the sycamine tree. Jesus is relating unforgiveness and offense and bitterness to this thing called the sycamine tree. The sycamine tree belongs to the fig tree family. It is similar in its appearance to the mulberry fig. Even the fruit of these two trees is identical looking, but the taste of the fruit is the distinguishing factor. The mulberry fig fruit is very sweet, and because it's very sweet, it's very expensive. Therefore, it is often beyond the affordability of the common man, especially in biblical times. However, the sycamine tree is extremely bitter. You want to take a guess on how cheap that is? Everybody can afford the fruit of the sycamine tree. That's why it's plentiful, it's cheap, and it is mostly eaten by the poor uh, community in biblical times. The sycamine tree has very large, deep roots. I looked at pictures of the sycamine tree. They're just, uh, they just seem like they overlap and they look gnarled and they're massive. And they, they dig down into the ground. Amen. It has one of the deepest root structures in the entire Middle East and all trees in the world. It grows 30 feet or more. These roots go down 30 feet or more and they spread out. For, for, for just an incredible amount of space. It grows best in dry conditions. And because the root structure goes down so far, it is extremely difficult to kill. In biblical days, because it grew so quickly and was so easily accessible, sycamine tree wood was the preferred wood for building caskets and coffins. The fruit was unique as well because it was so bitter, people couldn't eat it whole. They would have to nibble on it a little bit at a time as they were trying to get the nutrients out of it, but it was hard to ingest. This is most likely because of the unorthodox way in which the tree is pollinated. The sycamine tree is pollinated by when wasps come by and they sting the tree. This tree has to be stung in order to reproduce. And Jesus relates unforgiveness to that of the sycamine tree. I want to talk about unforgiveness for just a little bit here today. The roots of unforgiveness go down deep. And if it's not dealt with at the root, it will keep the tree springing up time and time again. Some deep offenses will just keep springing up over and over again unless there is a serious decision to rip up the roots of unforgiveness. 
If you are dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness and offense in your life, it's going to be like the sycamine tree. Amen. I want to tell you, it's going to be hard for you to get rid of. You can keep pulling the fruit, but the fruit's going to keep coming back. And you can cut back the branches, but the branches keep coming back. It's not until you get down to the very depth of the root of unforgiveness and you pull it up by the root. Hallelujah. Just as a sycamine tree grows so quickly, so does unforgiveness. Amen. I, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself as well because everyone has been offended. Everybody in this building has been offended, and if you haven't, get ready. Here it comes. It might be in the middle of my preaching here today. It grows fast, and this, if it's, it's allowed to grow fast, ugly attitudes are allowed to grow freely. They spoil the condition of the heart. These negative attitudes grow best in their dry conditions. And I want to tell somebody, unforgiveness is one of the most deadly things you can do to your life. It's one of the most deadly things you can do to your Christianity. It's one of the most deadly things you can do to relationships. It's one of the most deadly things you can do to your marriage. It's one of the most deadly things you can do to your church, amen, your church experience. It's one of the most deadly things you can do with your walk with God is to allow unforgiveness to take root in your heart. Somebody ought to give God some praise because we're going to deal with unforgiveness here today. Bitterness and unforgiveness is deadly, and if entertained, it will kill your joy, it will steal your peace, and it will cancel out your spiritual life. Amen. Everybody gets offended. That's what Jesus said. But not everybody has to stay offended. That's a lie of the devil. Everybody gets offended, but it is a choice and it is a decision on whether or not you're going to let it take root in your life. The devil's going to come by and sow things in your life, but it is your choice on whether or not you water it. It is your decision on whether or not you let it take root in your life. Jesus is letting us know that the fruit of unforgiveness is bitter. Most people who are bitter and filled with unforgiveness, amen, and, and we've all done this, we ruminate on it, we chew on it, we take some time, amen, little bit by little bit. You ever been offended? Amen. Where you just, you can't eat it all at once. In fact, you, it's one of those things you kind of want to savor. You're so, you're so angry, you just, you know, you, you, you start chewing on it, then you stop for a little bit and you come back to it. I know I'm not the only one that's ever done that. You get in, you get in an argument, you get in a fight, and then later on you're, you're, you're driving down the road and you're thinking about all the things you wish you would have said, and they're never Christian. <laughs> hey, my, my flesh is as flesh as your flesh. Praise God. Amen. And there's those thoughts that start going through your head and those feelings that start rising back up in your heart. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, amen, that fruit is bitter. That fruit is not easy to be ingested. But, amen, there's something about it that, amen, if we allow ourselves, we'll just keep on chewing on it. Uh, amen. We'll continue to think about it. We'll continue to meditate on what happened. We'll internalize our feelings. Uh, amen. In fact, we'll start seeing offense inside the offense. And it becomes a wheel in the middle of the wheel and not the good kind 
behind a wheel or in the middle of the wheel, it becomes that, that, that turning. And every time we think about it, we find even more offense. Uh, and they really meant this. And they really were talking about that. And you start looking back on all your previous experiences with this individual. And you start seeing it through the lens of offense and through the lens of unforgiveness. And every time they shake your hand and it's a little too tight, you think they must not like me. And every time they don't answer your phone call, you think it's because they hate me. And every time they send you something you have to read into, I come to preach to somebody about the roots of unforgiveness and the roots of bitterness. you got to be careful because if you let unforgiveness take root, you're going to become a sour individual. If you let offense take root, you're going to become a bitter individual. If you let it take root, it'll take hold of your feelings. It'll take hold of your perception. It'll take hold of your relationship. I want to preach to somebody, it'll leave you feeling down. It'll leave you feeling depressed. It'll leave you bodily sick when you don't let go and let it go, let God have it and let go of the bitterness and let go of the offense and forgive. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. How many of you have ever heard somebody that's a bitter person, they said, you know, I've been stung by that person before. Maybe you said that. Phrases like, once bitten, twice shy. I know that's how it's been for some people. Here's the one I grew up with. My dad would tell it to me all the time. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Somebody else said, fool me three times. You're getting really good at this. <laughs> but you know, there's people that live by unbiblical mantras. That if it's you fool me, it's, it's your fault. You're, you're a bad person. But if you fool me twice, it's my fault. So therefore, I don't want to be a fool. So I'm not going to let you do this to me again. And we start building up walls and we start building up barriers. And this is what is actually the challenge. Amen. These people that have been stung by a situation and their hearts have now become pollinated with the fruit of bitterness and unforgiveness. And now they start handing out those fruits to all the impoverished people around them. You ever heard the phrase hurting people hurt people? It's a truth. You ever get hurt, amen, it's not that the hurt stops with you. If you're, if you're not dealing with it, I want to tell you, it's going to come out when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Uh, if you're not dealing with it, it's going to come out, amen, when you get home and your kids say something or do something and you just, amen, you, what's a three, you take it to a ten. Amen, I want to tell you, if you don't deal with unforgiveness, you start handing out fruit, uh, amen, by the basket, uh, amen. But I've come to preach to somebody, uh, amen, God doesn't want us uh, to allow the fruits, uh, amen, to be destroyed. Distributed, and God doesn't want us to allow the roots, amen, to get in our hearts. And I've come to preach to somebody, amen, God's going to give us the faith to forgive some things here today. I really believe that God's going to give somebody the ability to step out of that cage you blocked yourself in. I I'm believing that somebody's going to be able to walk out once and for all, liberated and delivered from unforgiveness and from bitterness and from offense. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give God some praise. I want to tell you the Bible is a book that is filled, amen, with revenge and it's filled with reconciliation. Amen. The Bible says that Cain killed his brother Abel. And God came to Cain and he said, Cain, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Amen. And this is why Hebrews later says that there was another blood that cried out. The blood of Jesus that spake better things. Uh, all the way from the first 
amen, interaction between brothers. There was a murder. There was, amen, if I could put it this way, there was an offense that led to the death, amen, of a brother. And this brother's blood cried out from the ground towards God. And it said, I need revenge. I need you to revenge for me and avenge me, O God. But the Bible says that Jesus' blood speaks better things. I want to tell you, Abel's blood spake the way our flesh speaks. It speaks the way an offended person speaks. I want revenge. God, hurry up and get them and get them now. Amen. But the blood of Jesus speaks reconciliation. Amen. I want to preach to somebody. You've got a choice here today. You can cry out for revenge or you can cry out for reconciliation. You can cry out, I'm going to hold on to it. Or you can cry out once and for all, I'm letting it go. Amen. The Bible says, amen, that Lamech, a descendant of Cain, amen, he followed in his grandfather's footsteps and he killed a man. And he said if Cain was, amen, avenged seven times. I want you to notice this here today. If Cain is avenged seven times, amen, I need to be avenged 70 times seven. I want to tell you what's he saying. I need, amen, a complete revenge. If anybody ever comes at me, I've got my sword ready, and I need complete revenge. But when they ask Jesus, how many times do we got to forgive? How many times do we got to reconcile? Amen. He looked at him, and he said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. What was he saying? And every time when your flesh cries out for revenge, you need to have an answer of reconciliation and of forgiveness. Every time your flesh wants to get even and get back and get ahead, your spirit needs to rise up with the power of the Holy Ghost that says, no, if I've been forgiven of so much, I must be willing to forgive. Amen. Esau lived his whole life looking for revenge. He spent his entire existence seeking to destroy his brother for what his brother had done to him. Amen. The Bible warns us about becoming like Esau in Hebrews 12 and 15. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail at the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And it starts talking about lest we become a profane person as Esau. I want to tell you, When you let bitterness take hold in your life and you let unforgiveness take root in your life, you are not going to get better. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I've just come to preach what the Holy Ghost has put on my spirit. If you let unforgiveness and bitterness take root in your life, you don't get better. You get bitter. You get worse, not better. I want to tell you, Esau, he had been given a blessing by his father, and he could have gone his whole life upon the blessing, but instead he went out looking for revenge. And if we're not careful, amen, when we get offended, we'll, instead of living our life, amen, and getting blessed the way we're supposed to be blessed and doing what we're supposed to be doing and and and, and enjoying the good things of God, enjoying the good things that come into our life, instead we'll spend our entire life on on a revenge streak. We'll spend our entire life trying to get even and get back at people that did it to us. Amen. That truth be told, forgot about you a long time ago. 
I've come to preach to somebody. Amen. Can I preach about unforgiveness? See, you can let it take root in your life uh, because somewhere along the line somebody planted it there. But the truth is they forgot they planted it there. But you're the one that spends all your time watering it. Amen. You're the one that spends all of your energy. Amen. Cultivating it and letting the roots go down deep. But they forgot about you. You let it keep you up at night, but they're going to sleep soundly tonight. They haven't thought about you one time since they did it, but you are in a prison that you built by yourself, by your own bars. Amen. Root by root, piece by piece, thought by thought. And the truth is, amen, you're a prisoner of war. They're not a prisoner of war. Amen. You think by holding on to it, you're punishing them. But the truth is, Esau, you're not punishing Jacob. You're punishing yourself. You're not punishing them. You're punishing your kids. You're not punishing them. You're punishing your future. You're not punishing them. You're punishing your calling. But God has given you an opportunity today to forgive and to move forward and to have new life. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to pray. Unforgiveness is a prison we build for ourselves. Amen. Nobody locked you in. Amen. Amen. You, you build that prison for yourself. Amen. And you have the key. Unforgiveness comes out in the form of retaliation, revenge. You know how it comes out sometimes? In the form of a grudge. Well, praise God. It got quiet on me today. That's all right. I was going to preach what I feel. Because I know this is where a lot of people are at. Amen. And this is why some people cannot move forward in their life because they're in a prison that they built for themselves called unforgiveness and called bitterness. Amen. Sometimes it's that grudge you have against somebody. You know, and, and, and it doesn't come out in, in ways where maybe you don't actively go out and attack them. Amen. But anytime their name comes up, you snarl. Oh, come on, somebody. Every time that subject comes up in the conversation, you get upset at your spouse. Amen. I want to tell you what it is. You've got unforgiveness taking root in your life. Amen. But I want to tell you, we all have a choice here today. Amen. Do we really want revenge? Because I'll tell you what revenge does. Amen. Jesus put it this way. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Amen. The person, you know what it is? We say this. Uh, we, we want to just get even. Truth is, we don't want to get even. We want, we, they pull out a knife, we pull out a gun. They pull out a gun, we pull out the nuke. Amen. This is why things escalate. Amen. Some people elevate, praise God. Uh, but that's what it really comes down to in relationships is we think that we, 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 we really want revenge. But when you really look at the end result of revenge, it's carnage. Amen. I want to tell you what the end result of war is. Everybody loses. There's not one person that comes out victorious in the war called unforgiveness. Amen. When you hold on to bitterness and grudges, amen, you lose the battle. Amen. And the truth is they, they probably aren't even in the battle. You're just battling with yourself. Amen. But the question is, do we want revenge or do we want reconciliation? The Bible says Saul was trying to pin David to the wall and he chased him down. But when David finally found him in the cave, uh, amen, instead of slicing his throat, he cut his garment. Uh, amen. Well, you know what David was deciding? Uh, I have an opportunity to revenge, but I'd rather take my moment of revenge and turn it into a moment of reconciliation and for the first time uh, amen David said amen he started saying you're my son uh, amen I know you're not after me I want to tell you it could very well be if you withhold your revenge you might actually salvage the relationship that if you hold back uh, amen your revenge it might actually reconcile uh, amen what good things there are 
Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold off into slavery, amen, cast, amen, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, thrown in a prison, forgotten by slaves, amen, exalted to the palace, finally had an opportunity to get revenge with the brothers that did it to him. He had an opportunity to get revenge, amen, but instead of getting revenge, he wept, and guess what? There was a reconciliation of the relationship. Can I preach to somebody? You think you want revenge, but the truth is you really want reconciliation. You really want to go back to what it was before the offense. Before, If we're going to be honest, you want to go back to where it doesn't hurt anymore. And if you get revenge, it keeps hurting. But if you get reconciliation, you get understanding. And when you get understanding, you get healing. And when you get healing, you get better. Oh, somebody ought to give them praise here today. Often we feel like we have the rights to our offense. You know what I'm saying? Copyright. Yeah, I got a few of those. Copyright 1999. Amen. And nobody has the rights to my offense but me. Preacher, you can't tell me to forgive. Jesus, you can't tell me to forgive. I have the right. You know, the blessing of forgiveness is although we might have the right to retribution and revenge, we surrender that right to God. We surrender it to a judge that is more just than we are. Can I put it this way? Just because you have the rights doesn't make it right. Amen. Just because you have the rights, amen, to, to, to be bitter and to be offended and to get revenge doesn't make it right. Amen. Forgiveness is not in our nature. I understand that. Amen. It is a learned behavior. Resentment comes naturally. You want to know if you're acting in your flesh and operating carnally? If every time somebody offends you, you act on that offense. If every time somebody uh, makes you bitter, and let me just say this, I don't feel like anybody's necessarily offended here today, but I'm trying to give somebody tools to help you move forward in your life. Uh, amen. Because there's some folks you've been bound up for 20 years and you can't figure out why your life has not progressed. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a root of bitterness. It's a root of offense that goes beyond anybody even in this building. It goes back 20 years to somebody that might be dead and gone. Uh, amen. And that resentment came naturally. That bitterness came naturally. But 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 I want to preach to somebody. Forgiveness is something that's got to be cultivated in your life. Uh, you got you to get up in your spirit and you got to say, God, give me the faith uh, to cultivate my forgiveness. God, give me the faith to cultivate the reconciliation of this relationship. You know, failing to forgive has been the end of marriages. It's been the end of ministries. It's been the end of families. It's been the end of employment. Some folks could have kept their jobs, but they couldn't keep their mouth shut. Amen. Because they were too bitter, and too offended. They opened it up. It's been the end of churches. People got offended about where the piano got moved. Dumb stuff. Didn't shake my hand. Brother so-and-so stepped on my toes during worship. Amen. I want to tell you, people get offended about all sorts of things, and we dwell on it, and then we start thinking they meant it, when the truth is they didn't even think about you. You know, never attribute to somebody malice what can honestly be just ignorance. Amen. Never attribute malice to somebody when the truth is they weren't even thinking about you. They were in first player mode. They were they were the main character of their story. You weren't even involved. And sometimes we think they had a motive when the truth is they weren't even thinking about you. Uh, can I preach to somebody? Uh, oftentimes uh, there are things that hinder, amen, a marriage. They hinder a job. They hinder family. They hinder a church. They hinder ministry. And I've come to preach about this here today because I believe somebody's going to get free. Uh, it's when we hold on our right to be offended instead of putting our faith in God and our forgiveness in his hand. 
Just because you have the right, Joseph, to make your brothers pay doesn't make it right. Amen. you you got to be like Joseph and choose forgiveness. Can I preach about Jesus? He had every right to come down off of that cross. Amen. He was sinless. He was faultless. He could have come down off that cross and dealt with every single person that cried, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But instead, Jesus, well, on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you want to know the right thing to do, it's not hold on to your offense. It's to do what Jesus did. It's to say, even while I'm hurting, forgive them. Even while I'm being crucified, forgive them. Even while I'm angry, forgive them. Even when I don't want them to be forgiven, forgive them. Even when I want revenge, forgive them. Even when I don't want to let it go, forgive them. Can I preach to somebody? There's a faith in this building, and it's not the faith to work miracles. It's not the faith, amen, to raise the dead. It's the faith to say, I forgive them. Somebody ought to give him praise. Come on, you need to make room in your faith for forgiveness. Not just faith to shout on Sunday and dance around on Wednesday, but I've got enough faith left in me to say, I forgive them. When the disciples were challenged, they felt exactly like it feels in this room. He said, you got to forgive because the fences are going to come. I want to tell you, church, why are you preaching this before a fifth pastoral anniversary? Because what's going to take us through the next five years is this right here. What's going to take us through the next 20 years is this right here. It's that we are in the same boat, Noah and all of his family, and they come out of the boat and they're still a family. Amen. They go through a storm and they're still a family. Can I preach to the church? We're going to have moments where people are going to get offended. Amen. But you know what keeps us together? We recognize we're still a family and we operate in the faith that says, I forgive you. I came to preach to somebody. Do you have the faith to say it? I forgive you. I forgive them. I forgive this situation. I forgive how I feel. I forgive. They said, Lord, increase our faith. They understood that forgiveness is an act of faith. Can I tell somebody? Forgiveness is part of your worship. It does not matter how much you shout if you are bitter at people. If everybody's offended you and you won't let it go, I want to tell you, Jesus was looked at, amen, on the cross by the soldier. And he said, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. When, when his miracles couldn't convince people. When his sermon couldn't convince people. When the multiplication of fish and loves couldn't convince people. When the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead couldn't convince people. When the laying hands on the leopard couldn't convince people. His ability to forgive while he was in pain and while he was being crucified. This soldier looked up and said, this guy right here is the man, the, 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 the child of God. This guy right here is God manifested in the flesh. Because no one can forgive like that. I want to tell you, it is a supreme act of faith for you to forgive people that have wronged you. It is a supreme act of faith. Amen. As much as shouting and dancing, as much as living your life the way you live your life, holy and separated is an act of faith and an act of worship. I want to preach to somebody as sure as Acts 2.38 is the way to salvation. I want to preach to somebody forgiveness is just as big of a deal. 
We often think about faith being exercised through dramatic, miraculous works. Man, that brother's so full of faith. He laid hands on that person and their cold went away. Man, this person, he healed the sick. That might be true, but I want to tell you that one of the greatest miracles is to have, to have faith enough to restore relationships that you thought were gone forever. Not because they came up and said, I'm sorry. It's the faith that says they didn't even apologize yet. But I'm going to actively work on making some stuff fix. Amen. Jesus said to get rid of this, you don't need more faith. Well, brotherhood, that's awesome. And maybe if you'll lay hands on me, I have the faith to do it. No, 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 no. Jesus said, if you even have faith, a size of a mustard seed, what's he saying? You just need seed-like faith. You just need something that can be planted and can be nurtured. In other words, amen, unforgiveness is like a seed that's been planted in your life that you water and you nurture and, 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 and you cultivate, and it grows roots so deep that it takes over the soil, and it causes bitterness in your life and unforgiveness in your life. He said the same is true of that of faith. If you'll just plant faith in this circumstance. Uh, amen. It doesn't mean that just because uh, you planted the faith today that all of a sudden all those bad feelings are going away. No. As much work as it took to cultivate that hatred, you're going to have to plant this seed of faith. Uh, amen. He didn't say it's like a rock. He said it's like a seed because when you put a rock in the ground, it never gets bigger. It never gets better. But when you put a seed in the ground and you water it and you cultivate it, guess what happens? It begins to grow. And he said that when you get that seed of faith, uh, amen, planted in your bitter, your bitter and unforgiving heart. I want to tell you what's going to happen. You can start speaking to the roots, amen, that have held you captive for so long and you can begin to speak the faith, amen, over your unforgiveness. You can speak faith, amen, to those things that said I'm never leaving your life, those feelings that said they're never leaving your life and you can begin to uproot some things in your heart and uproot some thought processes and uproot some things that have held you bound for years. Can I preach to somebody? You just got to plant the little faith you have that says, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to put my faith in what Jesus said. And he said that I'm going to be able to uproot this thing. And I don't feel like it's uprooted today. And I don't feel the strength. But I've got enough faith to say I'm going to start the healing process. I'm going to start the reconciliation process. I'm going to plant my faith over my unforgiveness. Would you stand across the building and lift up your hands? Come on, let's pray all across the building. This might be one of those sermons you just pocket and you just put on. And for somebody else, this might be one of those things you've been waiting on for 20 years. And this is what's been hindering you. This is what's been hindering your marriage. This is what's been hindering your family. This is what's been hindering your ministry. This is what's been hindering your walk with God. This is what's been hindering your church life. I want to preach to somebody, this is what's been hindering your business. It's the fact that you got unforgiveness. Amen. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, all you got to do is plant some faith in place of your unforgiveness. God has given us the faith today to uproot some things. So, Pastor, you don't know how deep the offense goes. You're right, I don't. But you don't know how deep faith can go. You don't know what they've done to me time and time again. I want to tell you, the same God that gives you faith to believe for a miracle is the same God that will give you the faith to uproot bitterness and uproot offense 
some of the most, let me just put it this way. Amen. God has given us the faith to forgive. You don't need to wait for it. It's already there. You have it. But Jesus later ends this parable, and you can read the rest of the chapter. He said it's like a servant, amen, that after he does what his master told him to do, he's supposed to say, I'm an unworthy servant. And he said, does this servant get praise for all that he's done? No, he just did what was expected of him. I want to tell you what Jesus is telling us. Amen. I gave you enough faith, and here's what I expect out of that faith, that you forgive people. I want to tell you, he didn't tell you to do something he didn't do. He was on the cross forgiving people. The Bible says he ever maketh intercession for us. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even right now, when you mess up, he is consistently forgiving us. And all he expects out of us is to return the favor. I want to ask anybody here today, do you deserve forgiveness? I don't forgive for, I don't I don't deserve forgiveness. And you know what we think? I'll wait till they deserve it. And that's how some people are living for God right now. They're saying, I'm gonna wait until I wait until I deserve it. And then I'll come live for God. No, you get forgiveness first, and it reconciles the relationship. And there's some people, let me just say this. I don't want to forgive because I don't rec- want reconciliation of a relationship. Maybe there's somebody you forgive because it frees you. You may never have the relationship back, and you may not want the relationship back. But you can forgive them, and you can be free in your mind. You can relieve yourself in your heart. I come to preach to somebody. No matter how deep-rooted the hurt is, God can give you the faith to uproot it through forgiveness. God has empowered you to forgive. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God empowered me to forgive. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him, God has given me the power to forgive. Can I tell somebody? God has given you the power to forgive your enemies. Saul, instead of David cutting his throat, he cut his garment. And I want to tell you, he, David, put it this way, you have prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, there's some people here today, you think about sitting across the table from them, and it makes you just angry. I want to tell you, there's such a forgiveness that can happen that if God ever saw fit to put you in the same room, in the same table, you'd be able to sit there and you would know, the Lord's my shepherd, I'm not worried about it. There's some people you can't even go to bed at night because you think about people, let alone eating the meal with them. I want to tell you, when you let this faith come in your life uh, and that faith gets planted for you to forgive, all of a sudden now, not only can you be in the same room, you can even share a meal if need be. God will give you the faith to forgive your friends. Everybody, you know the story of Job. The Bible says that Job, for three chapters of, his, of, of the book, he goes through literal hell. The devil unleashes all sorts of stuff in his life. And the rest of the book is his friend saying, it's your fault. Man, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Hey, man, if you, if you have friends like that, you know, you need to pray for them. He spent the entire book defending himself to his friends. You know, nobody can wound you. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. There's nothing like a friend that can come by and just stab you in the back, and it hurts. Listen, strangers can, strangers can offend you. They can say whatever, and you just move on. But when a friend does it, ooh, man, it'll, it'll hold you up for 10 years after what that friend said to you. I'm telling the truth. But the Bible says God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friend. I want to tell you, your captivity could be turned around if you simply start forgiving your friends that have wronged you.
Can I tell you, God has given you the faith to forgive your family. Hallelujah. Joseph, he could have got revenge, but he said this. I want to tell you, all you need to do is zoom out a little bit and see the entirety of life. He said, what you meant for evil. We don't act like it never happened. Let me just clarify that. We don't act like it never happened. That family member that did it, we don't act like it didn't happen. What you meant for evil. I want to tell you, I see it now. I've got enough faith to see what was really happening behind the scenes. God turned it around for my good. I want to tell you, God will give you the faith to forgive family members. God has given us the faith to forgive. Can I preach it this way? God. Let me clarify. God's never done anything unjust or wrong. Do you know what unforgiveness is? How I feel about it. You know, there's some folks here today, when you come to the altar, you know who you're going to need to forgive? Not because they've done anything wrong. You're going to need to forgive God. Can I preach to some Marys and Marthas? You thought Jesus would show up, but Lazarus died four days ago. Disappointed, despair, hurt. You feel slighted. You feel like it shouldn't have gone that way. I want to tell you, when we release God of our unmet expectations, we can forgive. I want to tell you, there's some folks, they don't want to pray because they're mad at God. They don't worship. I want to tell you what's hindering some people's worship. You're mad at God. And if you could ever zoom out on your life, you realize God was not hurting me. God was, God was not doing this to affect me and defend me. I want to tell you, God loves me. And I'm, I'm going to just say, God, I release you of all my unmet expectations. I release you of all my disappointments. I release God. Can I tell you, God's given you the faith to forgive life. Well, if I'd have been born into a different family. John chapter 10, there was a man born blind. And they asked, Did, who sinned, his mother or his father? Jesus said, nobody. This is, what he really, if I put it in my own words, he said, this is how life is sometimes. Why did this person get sick? Why did this happen? Why, 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 why? It's not always a God or the devil type thing. Sometimes it's life. But God will give you the faith to forgive life. When you zoom out, you realize Jesus said this was done, that the glory of God might be manifested in their life. And this is the last one I'm going to talk about. God will give you the faith to forgive yourself. I have seen people forgive their enemies. I've seen people forgive their friends. I've seen people forgive their family. I've seen God, them forgive God and their expectations on God. I've seen them forgive life's unfair hardships and move past it. But I've seen the same people struggle week in and week out, service after service, because they have a hard time forgiving themselves for a mistake they made 20 years ago. I messed up too bad the feeling that you deserve restitution for your wrongs. and You deserve for all of life to fail you because after all, I deserve it after what I've done. I want to tell you, that's a person that is harboring unforgiveness. The truth is, amen, we are holding on to unforgiveness and we need to plant some faith that says, God, if you can forgive me, if God can forgive you, you can forgive you. 
the most powerful words you can utter is I forgive you. I release you. I don't know who you're talking to today. It might even be I forgive me. I release me. I want to tell you the prison bars are starting to fall. Would you lift up your hands? I'm done preaching. I feel the roots being uprooted right now. I feel the roots. Come on, somebody. You need to pray it right now. I forgive them. I forgive my friends. I forgive. Come on, somebody. You might need to pray. I forgive my father. I forgive my mother. I'm not saying you forget about it and you act like it never happened. But you say, God, you the same God that gave me the faith to receive the Holy Ghost. The same God that gave me the faith to show up to church here today. The same God that gave me the faith to dance and worship is the same God that will give me the faith to start planting seeds of forgiveness. God, I pray right now, I release them. Would you come down to the front right now? Come on, don't let unforgiveness hold you back. Don't let unforgiveness hold you down. Don't let unforgiveness stop you from going into the next season of your life. Come on, I know you never thought life would turn out this way. I know you were praying for a different outcome. But can you say, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And when you release it, you let it go. Come on, somebody pray. Come on, right now, somebody right now, you're looking at somebody. They've been dead and gone for years, and you are still living your life in, in, in an act of revenge against what they said to you or said about you. But they're gone. I let them go tonight. I release them. I forgive them. Come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on. Uproot it right now. Come on, uproot what they said. Uproot the ramifications of what they did. Uproot it in faith. In the name of Jesus, I feel elusive. I feel the prison doors coming off. I feel the shackles falling off of somebody's mind and somebody's heart to forgive Ripping up the roots out of your heart. Ripping up the roots out of your life. 